kind of thing, you know, being involved with pediatrics now for 26 years, uh, I'm an ICPA diplomate, uh, and I've been diplomate since 2008. I've been teaching for the ICPA since 2013. So we see, my, my practice is very specialized with pediatrics. So this whole human development thing that, um, that my wife is teaching you now at the at latter part of the course is very relevant to your practice, especially if you're gonna end up seeing a lot of kids, right? Uh, because uh, kids, are, kids are supposed to develop on a particular pattern, right? And um, I actually did a small Facebook post on this uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it's kind of like a computer, right? You know when you boot up your computer, right? And if it's off, and when you turn it on, doesn't it go on through a very specific sort of series of steps, right? So if you have a MacBook, which is high, uh, we operate. So we have a MacBook, you know, and it's off. The first thing that comes on is an apple, right? You'll have like a black screen with a white apple or vice versa. And then the second thing that comes on is a, uh, is a task bar underneath it as it's loading, loading, loading. And then finally the home screen comes on. It takes like 30 seconds to a minute based on how old your computer is and whatever. Well, the reason that that's a good analogy is because that's exactly how developmental milestones are. They're supposed to turn on, they're supposed to turn on at very specific times because the brain is turning on in very specific ways, right? The brainstem, when a baby is born, is just a brainstem for the most part, right? The cerebellum a little bit, but the rest of the lower cortex and the upper cortex, limbic system, all that kind of stuff, that stuff is almost like nothing, right? Remember that the brain is the only organ that's uh, not 100% formed by birth. Everything else is, but not the brain. So what happens is that the brain turns on in certain ways. So just like the apple comes on and then the taskbar comes on and then the home screen comes on, well, so it is like, you know, crawling and, you know, walking and talking. It's very specific. There's a little room for, you know, uh, changes based upon children who are premature, uh, based upon uh, kids who've had uh, like twins or triplet births, which usually are relatively premature. Um, there's a little bit of wiggle room if you've had some kind of tough entry into the world. Um, but for the most part, you're supposed to turn things on at certain times, right? You're supposed to be walking and talking at one. If you're not walking and talking at one, there's a problem, right? But a lot of people don't recognize that. A lot of people don't recognize that. And they think it's all this loosey-goosey stuff, you know? So last week, I have a two-year-old boy comes into my office, and uh, he's not talking, so I said to the mom, you know, I'm kind of concerned he's not talking, and she's got all freaked out. And I said, well, what are you going to freak out? I think just, you just got to understand that there's something going on. His brain is supposed to be talking right now, and if he's not talking, there's something up. And I think that's an important thing to understand, right? It's a super important thing to understand. It's okay that a child isn't talking, but find out why. Let's find out what went wrong, right? Let's find out what went wrong, because... If we, the best thing you can do is early intervention. The best thing you can do is early intervention. The longer you wait, the more problems will occur. Because if that computer was turning on and the apple comes on and it's supposed to be on for 10, 15, 20 seconds and it's on for 10 minutes, you'd be like, I better call Apple Care. Right? But a kid doesn't talk and he's supposed to talk at one and now it's two and you're not talking. That's not right. And that's something that I think is really important for us as chiropractors to understand, because especially if you're a pediatric practice like 
my practice, you're gonna be seeing a lot of kids. So here's an example of a patient. You know, child wakes up continuously through age three and a half. All right, are you supposed to like be sleeping through the night by a certain time or so, right? Maybe at least six months or so you should be sleeping through the night. Three and a half years old, that's not very good. Waking up every one to two hours, unable to get back to sleep. Difficulty latching on. This is, this is the developmental problem. You're supposed to latch on. If you can't latch on, how could you feed? Two or three hundred years ago, before... Hmm. Hello? Hmm. Two or three hundred years ago, before there was bottles, and a child was born, and that child could not latch or nurse, that child was dead, right? There's an evolutionary system to this, right? So if a child's having problems latching and nursing, this is a significant issue. This means there's something going on with their little brains. It's not just, I can't latch on the breast. That's not the thing. Oh, let's just give them a bottle. Okay, you can give them a bottle, but that's not the point, right? You can switch to a bottle, but you're not fixing the problem, right? You're fixing the symptom, but you're not fixing the problem. Right? We chiropractors, we're about cause. Right? We're about cause. So we need to find out why is this child not latching and nursing. Is it the, is it the facial nerve? Right? Is it a tongue tie? Is it a TMJ issue? Let's find out what the problem is. So unable to get back to sleep. Delayed walking 16 months. Is that late? How late is that? That's six months late. That's not right. Right, this child was not born premature. Right, this child was born on time. That's not right. You have a child who's six months behind in walking, is delayed in latching nursing. This has got to be red flags going on, right? Now, 20, 30 years ago when stuff like this came about, nobody even knew that this was an issue, right? Because this was very rare. It was rare to see this kind of stuff, unless there was some really big kind of problem. Now we see a lot. You know why? Dr. Melilla was just here a few weeks ago. He's the like the major scientific mind in chiropractic today in functional neurology. And he talked about how one in five children born today will have a neurodevelopmental disorder by the time they're five years old. One in five. We can no longer look at developmental milestones and say, no big deal. We can no longer look at developmental milestones and say, well, they'll catch up. They're a late bloomer. Right? When you and I were young, when I, well, you guys weren't even born when I was young, um, but when I was young and when you were young, right, there was such thing as late bloomers and it kind of worked out because the world was very different back then. We, did, we live in a very toxic world. Right? When you guys were little munchkins, this was not as much of a toxic world back in the 90s and the 80s when you guys were little. But it got, it's gotten worse and worse and worse. So now when we have a child with some milestone issues, this is a big red flag. But a lot of people don't recognize that. And that's one of the things that I do, especially when I speak around the world for the ICPA, is try to get people to understand how important these milestones are and how important chiropractic is to getting these kids back to normal milestones. Right? Just before I came here, the last patient I addressed, a little girl who's having problems with tummy time. And the, the doctor's like, don't, don't worry about it. Tummy, that's not that important. You'll get rid. If you don't do tummy time, you'll have a hard time walking. This is not something to blow off, but it's being blown off all the time because they're just shuffling in, shuffling in, shuffling in, shuffling in, right? We have to go past that, right? Especially as pediatric chiropractors like myself and my colleagues in the ICPA, we have to go past that to understand how important what it is that we do, right? Because neuroplasticity is the key, right? So if one part of the brain isn't doing something, we can get another part of the brain to do something, but we got to train it in there. 
And how are we going to train it in there? Through chiropractic adjustments and neurological exercises. That's how we're going to train it in there. So you look at this. Began speaking at three and a half years old. How late is that? Two and a half years late. That's significant. Right? That is very... Walking late, talking late, not latching nursing problems. This is like all kinds of red flags that there's some kind of neurodevelopmental problem going on with this particular child. Can't tie his shoes at that age. Can't under the right bike until age eight. Difficulty with cutting with scissors. Delayed toilet training until age five. When does a child usually toilet train? Two to three, right? This is unbelievable significant issues. When you look at something like this, let's say the child comes in, he's now eight years old, and this is what you get, you're like, holy cow! This kid's got some significant problems, right? And we, but the cool thing is, as chiropractors, like this, this is what the kind of kid I see, right? This is the kid that, that I attract into my office. I, I, low back pain is not my thing, right? We'll see people with lower back pain, but the reason, oh, I tell some all my classes, the main reason why I see adults is why? So I can see their kids, right? I want to see their kids. I'll see the adults, but get me to the kids, right? Because to me, the kids are far more important. The adults, okay, we'll fix your back pain. Chiropractic is easy for the most part with simple things like back pain, neck pain, headache, whiplash, ho-hum. Right? What I want to see is the kids with autism. What I want to see is the kids with ADHD. What I want to see is the kids with learning disorders. What I want to see is the kids with delays in latching. Because I've seen kids who can't latch, and in a couple of adjustments, they're latching. I've seen kids who aren't walking, and several weeks or months worth of adjustments, and getting to do some exercises, and now they're walking, and they're, they're catching them up. Right? We can catch up their brains. Right? But we're the ones who are doing this. Right? We're the ones who are doing this. It's not the OTs, it's not the PTs, it's not the MDs, it's not the massage therapists, it's the chiropractors, especially the pediatric chiropractors that have this special ability to do this, to, to watch neuroplastically their little bodies change from where they were to where they should be. So <clears throat> I want you to think about this. This is a great quote uh, for special needs kids. My child is not, is not giving me a hard time, my child is having a hard time. Right? So when, when, you're, when you're somewhere and you see some kid like pitching a fit, I would really prefer if you guys wouldn't have judgment on that parent. Right? Because when, when you guys were little, right, the world was very different. So if you were pitching a fit, it was probably because you were pitching a fit. Right? Now, when you see a kid pitching a fit, there's a high possibility that kid's autistic. There's a high possibility that kid's got some kind of learning disorders or sensory processing disorder, whatever. So when he or she, this little one is pitching a fit, and you're like, I can't believe that parent. Okay, they're not crying. You should be there and take the kid. I want you to, to, stop what you're, to stop that line of thinking and say, maybe that kid's autistic and that parent can't control this kid. And let your heart go out to this person, right? Because we deal with the moms and dads of autistic kids. We deal with the moms and dads of kids with sensory processing and learning disorders and ADHD. These parents are having a super hard time. And the last thing they need is someone looking at them and saying, oh, you should get your kid quiet. You should get, have a kid on this, uh, just, stop, just keep it to yourself. If you, can't, if you can't do anything else, at least don't say it, right? Because when you say something like, you know, to them, like, could you get your kid to, off this bus or get in the back so it's too just loud over here? And they're like, you don't even know what we're going through. You have no idea, right? And some of you may even understand what I'm talking about, especially if, if you may have children in your family who have autism or ADHD or that kind of stuff. You kind of know what we're talking about. So we want to love all the children for who they are and not how they look and perform. Some kids will never perform the way we think they ought to. 
right? You got some kind of issue, they will never get past a certain point. And that's just the way it is, right? We have some kids in my office, in my practice, that are eight years old, 10 years old, 16 years old, that are nonverbal. Nonverbal. And they cry a lot and they're angry a lot, and you can't look at the parent and say and judge them for the fact that their kid is angry because I'd be angry too if I was 16 years old and having hormones busting through my system and I couldn't talk. So that's what I want you to think about when you think about a lot of these things that are going on. I want you to tur turn your brains around, right? This is one of my favorite um, uh, little memes about what should be happening. Like kids are supposed to go, there's a certain, like the milestones that my wife talked to you guys about the last time she was here before Thanksgiving. But those milestones, they're very specific. They come at certain times. And we'll give you, like I said, a little wiggle room here and there if there's some sort of an issue. If there's a premature birth or twins or, or other kind of tough challenge birth in the beginning. But the wiggle room is a little bit of wiggle room, right? Not a lot of wiggle room. Because the more wiggle room we allow someone to have, the more that pattern will sink into them. And then it's harder. Do you, a child who's not talking at two, which is harder? This child is not talking at two, trying to help them to get to, them to talk, or a 16-year-old who doesn't talk? Right? It's way easier to start pat to unpattern the pattern that's happened in a two-year-old than a 16-year-old who isn't talking, right? Because a 16-year-old, they've not talked for 15 years that they should have been. <clears throat> Crawling. This is a really easy thing for you to learn and to see with kids to realize that there's a problem, right? So when you see kids like uh, this is the funniest thing when you see this kind of thing. It says kids spot about, all about crawling. And it it, what does this sort of look like? When you look at these things, it's got six different kinds of crawling. What does that look like? What does it make this kind of look like? Like, is there any difference in this picture? Is there any difference between the classic and the one foot? Is there any difference, would you say, the way this is laid out? No, it's just different styles, right? That's all it is. It's just different styles. Some kids do the classic. Some kids backwards. Some kids commando. Can I tell you something? There's only one way to crawl. Which is that? They're classics, so as they call it in this picture here. There's only one way to crawl. All the other ones are wrong. They are wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. They are abnormal. Backwards crawling is not normal. Commando crawling is normal in the beginning when they first start, but they shouldn't, that shouldn't be their only way. Bum shuffle or, or scooting as they call it, that's wrong. Bear crawl, why doesn't a kid have his knees down the ground? One-footed, why is a kid dragging like this? Why, what would make that kid drag like this? You know what it is? It's called the brain. Dr. Melilla will call this disconnected. This is a disconnected child. This is a disconnected brain. You can't stand for this. If you see this, you've got to speak up. We have a big open adjusting area in my office. And when I see a new patient, they bring in their little girl or their little boy, and I, I watch these kids. I say, put them on the floor. Just get them out of the stupid car seat and put them on the floor, and let me watch them. Right, before they even become a patient. And I'm always observing, observing. And when I see something that ain't right, I tell that parent. So we got to check that kid. How long, does, how long has he been doing that kind of crawl? Oh, he's always been a scooting on his little rear end. Oh, really? Do you have other kids? Yeah. Did they scoot in their rear end? No. Do your friend's kids scoot in their rear end? No. So is this what we want for our kid? No. Then we need to get them checked, right? Yes. It's like a Jedi mind trick, right? <laughs> you lead them down. You lead them down this thing, and then they're like, oh, we have to get the kid checked. We have to get the kid checked, right? We have to get them to understand, right, that this is not, this is not normal. 
right? And, and the pediatrician may say, oh, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. It's just, it's just an old cute little way to do it. Matter of fact, there's a pediatrician at NYU that says there's 25 ways to crawl. I disagree. There's one way to crawl and 24 wrong ways. Right? Question. Yeah, it's hard to approach, like, do you know this, the, the mom? I know her, but Yeah, it's hard when, when, when you have no real, like, do you know her name at least, the mom's name? Yeah, okay. So it, it's kind of hard to do that, um, you know, to just go to an almost, almost total stranger. Um, you know, you could say, like, to her, gee, that's a funny way to crawl, <laughs> and see what she says. She said, yeah, this is kind of funny, isn't it? You know, and then you're like, Oh, well, do you have other kids? You know, that's one of my favorite things to say. Yeah, did they all crawl that, did they all crawl that way? Well, no. And then you just, you just get someone thinking. That might be a, oh, yeah. Uh, best way to talk to someone is ask questions. In a very nice way, non-judgmental, you know. Don't try to push them anywhere. And if they're resistant, just stay away from it, you know. That's, that's how I think. Give it a whirl. Yeah. Yeah, this is a great question. So you're allowed, shh, quiet. You're allowed to do all of these things at any particular time, right? But what is your, the, the key is what's your predominant way of crawling, right? So if you crawl 80% of the time like the bum shuffle, that's not right. But every kid's going to bum shuffle once in a while, right? In, the, in between doing from one activity to another. So doing something in between, as an in-between thing, that's totally fine. The problem is when it's a primary mode of transportation. Yeah? Is it, is it helpful if like, they are in one of the atypical ones to almost show them different way to do it? Or This is a, a great question. So is it helpful to, to show them the right way? Um, the, the answer is, uh, Take my other classes, <laughs> which you will eventually, uh, because it's, it's, it's not, there's no short answer uh, to this. Uh, but it's, you, you have to retrain them. That's absolutely true. Uh, but how it takes is a big, big, long thing. Yeah. Can you specify the neurological speed that's going on? No, because it depends on the kid. It really depends on the kid as to whether it's a prefrontal cortex thing or brainstem thing, primitive reflex didn't work, or it's a cerebellum thing, or basal gang, hard to say one particular thing over another. All I know is that there's a disconnection and we gotta fix it, right? And that's what I tell the, our patients. This, kid, kids toe walking, which we'll show in a little bit. Disconnection, we gotta fix it. Kids W sitting, we gotta fix it. Now here's the scoot crawl, right? Which is sort of like on their bum, but with one foot out, right? This is not right. And it, by the way, any of you have like, like nieces, nephews, you know, relatives who are like this, you gotta, hey, sis, we gotta talk, right? Your kid, that scoot thing, it's not right. We gotta get your kid to a pediatric chiropractor. And here's some more scooting, you know, pictures. And the side crawl, this kid, this, my wife showed me this video. So the kid goes on his side, and then he rolls to his other side, and then he kind of rolls his way, like, like this way, right? And, and you, you could, if, if you actually look at the video, it's really cute. A lot of people, po oh, how cute this kid is. It, you know, it, babies are cute, right? That's just the way it is. But this isn't cute. Do you understand the difference, right? The child, he himself or herself is adorable. But the fact that they're doing this is a problem. And that's what we need to figure out. 
But I think the thing that I want to point out too about this picture here is that everybody thinks this is normal, right? Everybody thinks this is normal, but it's not, right? It's not. What's normal is normal. It's just like 98.6. Is that really normal? Right? If that's the normal and your temperature is at 99, then it's not normal. Well, it's the same thing with crawling. If you're not doing the cross crawl, then it's not normal. And I don't know where that differentiation changed. So if you're, if you're at 99, that's not normal. But if you do one of these things, it's, it's okay. It falls within normal limits. Right? And that is not. Because what happens is, if the brain is having a dysfunction here at one year old, what's going to happen later on at three? Right? More dysfunction. Bigger dysfunction, right? And then all of a sudden you say, I can't believe it, my kid's six years old. And he's like, the teacher is complaining he needs a, a ADHD medication. Where did that come from? Well, then you sit down in my office and I say, so what kind of birth did you have? What, kind of, what was the pregnancy like? What was your first year like? Did, did, did he have a problem crawling? Yeah. Did he have a problem rolling? Yeah. Well, that relates to this, right? It's all connected, right? Nobody thinks about that, but it's all connected. <clears throat> So here's a child, poor coordination when crawling, right? So he's trying to crawl, and he's having all kinds of hard times, you know, with this. Here's the back crawl, right? Super cute, right? But why aren't the knees down? The knees are supposed to be down, right? If you watched me, and I was walking, and I was walking like this, right? And I was, I was only walking my heels. Would you say, like, what the heck is wrong with Dr. Rubin, right? Right? But this is, oh, he's just so cute, right? The only reason it's cute is because they're small, right? But if you have a bigger person doing something funny like that, now you're saying what's going on with them, right? W sitting. This is a big, this is a big thing, W sitting. I'll get you in a second. W sitting. So a, a child is supposed to sit one of two ways, either crisscross applesauce, right, or legs straight out, right? That's the way you're supposed to be sitting, right? Kids who sit like this, once again, predominantly, right? Some kids, will, everybody will sit this way once in a blue moon. Right. But predominantly, if you predominantly have your legs out like a W, like this, this is a problem. This is hypotonia, H-Y-P-O-tonia. This is a hypotonia. I see kids sit like that in my office. I'm like, oh, we've got to talk to mom about that one. Right? Yes? So, um, obviously, the earlier you correct these problems, the better. How, how, much, um, um, how much of this <coughs> Well, it depends on the, the question is, is uh, when a child is older, how much improvement can you see in it? And it depends on how deeply embedded the pattern is in the child. So uh, we have seen kids who are autistic, uh, and they are 100% nonverbal, and we watch them start to talk. Now, they won't talk like you and me, right? They're not going to have conversations, and, and this, but they can start saying some words, right? But we've also seen them not talk, right? But we've seen them have better communication socially, right? So go from like no eye contact to now having social contact, from having no smiles to now having smiles, to saying sign language, like thank you and that kind of stuff where they didn't say that before. So we've seen that, you know, also. So it really depends on the kid and the severity of the situation. And some kids, you know, you, you don't know what... Here's, here's the thing that I think about chiropractic, right? Try it. You got, what do you got to lose, right? What do you got to lose? Because neuroplasticity is the key, right? 
Neuroplasticity. There are people, if, if, if you read anything about neuroplasticity, especially with adults, right? People have had strokes. And they say, you're, 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 that left side or right side of your body is gone. And they have worked like crazy and gotten that side back. Or their speech is gone and they've worked like crazy to get their speech back. It all depends on how much are you willing to work and how much of their brain is totally damaged. Right? So if the brain isn't completely damaged and you're willing to put a whole lot of work in, then you get a whole lot of efforts back. The biggest problem I see with a lot of people is they're not willing to put the work in. Right? And this, this, is, this is just like a success story too for anybody. Right? The most successful chiropractors, you put the work in. Right? You want to be a successful chiropractor like this? I'm a doctor now. I got my license. Come to me. Right? It ain't going to happen. You better put the work in. Right? You better put the work in. But it's the same thing with kids and special needs. Right? And the more significant that special need is, the more work's got to be done. And not, just, and not work like hand them to a PT or an OT, whatever. That means mom, dad, sister, brother, uncle, aunt. We all got to work. We got to work with these kids. Right? And that's the thing that we teach in my ICPA seminars, a lot of these kind of concepts and ideas. Here's the toe walker. Right? Toe walking. Oh, it's so cute. Yeah, it's cute. Oh, it's just the Achilles being really tight. They'll grow out of it. You know, even if they do grow out of it, that's not the problem. That's not the problem. The problem is neurological. Right? The problem, why? Why is she or he walking like that? Right? Nobody asks these questions. They're like, oh, there's just a toe walker. They'll grow out of it. When they get heavy enough, they will. Well, I'll tell you something. I have, I have like, patients in my office who are toe walkers who never grew out of it. Right? And now they're 10, 15 years old and they're still toe walking. Well, you, it, you can't just say, they'll grow out of it, they'll be fine, it's no big deal. Right? This is the, the common thinking. But let me tell you something, chiropractors, future chiropractors. This is not an uncommon field. You, gotta, you want success in your field? You better do something uncommon. You better go way past common, right? Back pain, common. Headaches, common. Pediatrics, cool, <laughs> right? Different. Sports, right? Right. Do something different. Do something out there. Extremities, cool, right? Do something different. Don't just do what every whole hum other chiropractor does, and now you're the 15th chiropractor that advertises for lower back pain in that area. Big deal, right? You want to make something for your life? You want, to, you want to have like a standout life and get you so excited? I can't believe what in God's name is going to come to my office today. That's what, that's what being like a pediatric chiropractor means to me. I don't know what on earth is going to happen. We had two phone calls. I walked in this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm in the morning meditating in the morning. And <clears throat> right after I was done with my meditation, child ADHD, the mom calls. Right after that, another child ADHD calls. Right after that, a child with autism, new patients call. This is, bring it, Right? Bring me the tough cases. Bring me the worst cases you can, right? Don't bring me the whole hump back pain. You can go somewhere else. <laughs> I'm not interested, right? More toe walkers and speech delays. Let's see what this one is. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
And the kid's adorable, right? Right, he's totally adorable. Is this a problem? Yeah. Two years old? That's a problem. That's a problem. And I'm telling you, speech therapy alone ain't going to do it. Speech therapy is awesome, right? Speech therapy is totally awesome. But alone, we need more. We need more, right? And that's where chiropractic comes in. Chiropractic comes in because neuroplastically, right, if you just, if you have a kid who isn't talking, and what you try to do is you try to get them to talk, but talking is the top rung of the ladder, right? If the problem is talking, you work on the top rung. How do you build a house from the top down? From the bottom up, right? That's what you got to do with these kind of kids, right? From the bottom up, you got to start working on on primitive reflexes. You gotta start working on, did they have any crawling problems? Did they have any rolling problems? Let's, let's, let's look at him developmentally and look at the, prob the places where he had fumbles and fix those fumbles. Right? So they'll keep on working and say, okay, ball, 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 and he may see what's that, bah, bah, well. Because the problem isn't that he can't say it, the problem is he can't process it. Right? We have to get the brain to process better. That's why what chiropractic does is so important because we, it's like, it's like the, the central nerve system is the processing part of the whole body. If we don't get the processing to work, then it's a, a whole lot harder to get anything to work. Let's see, I'll skip this one. All right, so I don't know if you could tell with this horrible image. Can you tell what this thing is? It's purposely distorted, but can you tell what it is? Maybe. <laughs> All right. Can you tell what it is now? Ah, right? It's a cow. It's a cow. Can you see that? Right? So go back here, right? You see it now? Isn't that cool? Right? This is what I want you to understand. This is what a kid with dyslexia sees. This is what a kid with learning disorder sees. Right? They see this unclear picture. Right? And then we yell at them. What do you mean you don't see a cow, right? Being a teacher. Johnny, what is this? He's like... Right? Doesn't know what it is. Johnny, like everybody else in the whole room knows who that is but you. Come on, Johnny. You're always doing this, Johnny. Let's get going. What is this? Right? Okay, how about, you won't, don't tell me what it is. Tell me a book about this, all right? Can you tell me a book or maybe a rhyme about this or a poem that we read about this? And Johnny's sitting there like, you know, getting red in the face and all the friends are doing what? All his little classmates. They're all laughing at him. He's getting redder and redder. All right, Johnny, how about this? How about you visit the principal's office and you tell him what this is, right? And this is what's happening every day in school. Right? I'm not making this up. Right? This is what's happening every day in school because teachers don't understand what they're dealing with. Right? Because they think, oh, this is clear as day. Everybody knows what this thing is. But, they only, but that's because a healthier kid with a healthier brain maybe would be able to see this. Right? But a kid with dyslexia or learning disorders, they see this. Right? And that's what I want you to start understanding is that these kids who have these kind of issues, they don't see the things we see. They don't hear the things we hear. Right? You and I, in this room right now, we think it's totally quiet. Right? I th like, because nobody's talking, which I appreciate and I, and I thank you for that. 
But a kid with ADHD or autism, what are they listening to? They're listening to the lights going zzzz like this. They're hearing you guys shuffling your papers and moving around your seats and all this other kind of stuff. And they can't even pay attention because there's so much going on, right? But you and I think this is like a completely quiet room, but it's not to them, right? We need to see it from their eyes. We need to see it from their perspective, right? How would this work for someone with a learning disorder, right? You try to, let's read this, this crazy thing here. Multiply the third number in the first row by the seventh number in the third row and add this result to the fifth number in the second row. Like you and I could probably get through this, right? Now I, now I am really bad at math, so it would take me a little longer time to, to figure, that's why I'm a chiropractor. I'm a really good chiropractor, but bad math. But you take a kid with a learning disorder and you'd be like, I just forget it, right? Forget it. The kid will be like stuck in the, He's got the multiply the third number in the first row. That's about as far as a kid learning this can get. And then after that, they're done, right? Because there's too many instructions, too many pieces, too many variables, right? Which number are we going over? Which, which problem are we talking about? Problem one, two, or three? Which numbers? Is it the six, five, one, or the seven, five, or the one, two? Right? So uh, what, uh, what my wife is trying to do with these particular PowerPoints is see through these kids' eyes, right? See what they're, what's going on with them. Look at fine motor control. One of the things we do in my office is I'm always having kids color stuff. But there's a big difference in coloring in the right way and coloring the wrong way. So you see the child on the left-hand side, right? That's called the monkey grasp, right? Because that's how a monkey holds, you know, holds something. A monkey holds it like this, right? Pincer grasp is this. Pincer grasp is the one on the right. That's what we want to see. So a kid who's like maybe a year and a half, two years old, I'd expect that monkey grasp. The kid who's like three and a half to five, I expect the pincer grass to start coming on. But you got like a kid, in, a, we watch kids come into school who are in school and they're six, seven years old and they're holding a pencil or a pen like this. I'm like, whoa, this is a problem, right? This is a problem. Where does it, do it, and so is, is the fix to say, no, Johnny, you don't hold it like this, you hold it like this, right? That's the typical fix. No, Johnny, you don't hold it like this, you hold it like this. Just like someone saying to you, sit up straight. Anybody ever say that to you? Sit up straight. Is that the problem because you can't think about sitting up straight? No, the problem is nothing to do with you thinking about sitting up straight. The problem is there's some postural issue going on, right? It's something much deeper than saying, Johnny, sit up. Johnny, sit up. Right? Just saying, Johnny, hold it right. It won't work. You can, you can make them hold it right, but then when they're by themselves, they'll hold it wrong again because that's not the problem, right? The problem is neurological. It's deeper. It's deeper. And that's what chiropractors do is we get deeper into this kind of stuff. Yes. How much of children not only correctly that they can't they weren't taught at an early age how to hold right? I mean, is there something like writing isn't necessarily a natural thing to do? So is there a, is, is that a natural way to grasp the pincer grasp? Or is that the, the, the pincer grasp is a natural way to grasp an object? Uh, because it's just the way we learn how to eat an Odie, uh, you know, a Cheerio or something like that, is we're always we're starting with the pincer grasp. Uh, whether they are, it's because they're not taught is an interesting point that I haven't thought of because most kids are taught to some degree. Uh, so I don't know, honestly, the answer. Because I remember when my, when my children were little, we had a teacher who did not, she let every child hold the pencil any way they wanted to. She never said you should try this way. Really? And so there were all kinds of children in her class that did not end up with a pencil grasp. Huh, that's interesting. I, I, I have not run across that as the issue. Uh, the issue that I've seen is, is neurological. But good question, good question. Um, so vision-related problems, right? So when we, when we have kids who have dyslexia, 
a lot of times dyslexia, instead of when your eyes are, should be tracking normally across the page, what happens is, is you can see like wavy lines or things get blurry or things get smooshed together, right? That's why there's a special kind of type now, right? There's a font. This is called dyslexia font. You've even heard about that before. This is called dyslexia font. And the type is set differently because if you think about the letters, I'm not sure if my wife has it here. No. If you think about the letters B, D, P, and Q, what's the thing that they have in common? They're all the exact same shape. It's just different position, right? All four of those things are the exact same shapes. It's just different position. If, can I lift this thing up here? Is there a way to bring this thing up? Huh. Actually, let me do it here. So let me show you what I'm talking about, because some of you guys are looking at me like I got four heads. B, D, P, Q. Do you see that? Do you all see that? That's the exact same letter switched around, right? So the B is like this, and the D is kind of flipped around backwards, and the P is upside down, and the Q is turned this way. All the same. So a child with dyslexia, they see B, D, P, and Q, and that's why you'll hear someone say something instead of saying a letter B, they'll say a letter D or a letter P because they're flipping it around in their eyes, right? That's a very important thing to understand. And what the dyslexia font does is it takes these letters and it makes them very, very, very different. So it's an obvious B, it's an obvious D, it's an obvious P or Q. <clears throat> Okay, so can you read this, right? This will be awfully hard to read, right? But if you put all this together, if you put all this together, this is what it says. Right, what about this here? Can you read what these were, what the, those scrambled words are? Right, so imagine, see how long it just took you to do that? Right? See how long it took you to do that? Is the black cat sat on the hot tin roof, right? How long it took you to do that? So imagine you're sitting there in your front of your classroom. Teacher says, Johnny, read that sentence, please. And now you're like, oh, God. Like, Johnny's like, I do not want to read. I hate reading. Okay, okay. And he's like, uh, 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 duh. Right? And all the other kids start going, Right? Johnny can't read. Johnny can't read. Right? And she's like, come on, Johnny. Let's go. Let's go. Read the words. Stop your dilly-dallying. Right? And they're not recognizing what's really happening with this kid. They're not recognizing and understanding that this kid is having some kind of a problem. And this is happening all over ac across America. And you know what I think is really a shame, too, is a lot of teachers. Teachers, are, uh, the, I, I think teachers are totally awesome. But there's two things I really think teachers have to figure out. Number one is if there's some problem with a kid with ADHD and he's bouncing off the walls, whatever, throwing drugs at them is not the answer. Just had someone call me up this morning and said, the teacher said that because Johnny's behavior is so bad that she thinks he needs drugs. Who the hell are you? Yeah. <laughs> right, what he needs is some neurobehavioral modification. What he needs is some chiropractic care. What he needs is some functional neurological training. That's what he needs. Don't you start telling me this kid needs Ritalin when you got no training for that. 
That's the first thing. I think I love teachers. I, as a teacher myself, I have utmost respect for teachers, but I would never in a million years suggest that someone take any kind of drugs. And the first thing I do is try something conservative before I jump up. Ritalin should be the last place you go, right? Right, you tried everything else. Okay, you tried behavioral modification, you tried chiropractic, you tried this, 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 this. All right, that didn't work, let's try drugs. Don't, that shouldn't be the first thing you do. Right, that's the first thing. And the second thing is that they need to recognize problems immediately when they see it. So if they say, Johnny, read this, and the kid's like, uh, duh, blah, and you know that, that Johnny should, at that age, know how to read, well, this should be like a, mom, we need to have a conversation. Not let, let's let the whole year go on and just give him F, 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 F. Right? We need to have a conversation, Mom. I just want to make sure that I understand something. I, I gave Johnny a really simple sentence to read. He couldn't even read that. What's happening? What's going on? Is there something I should know about? Right? Because I'll take special consideration with this boy if there's some special issues going on. But just, you got to tell me. Right? But teachers don't do that for some reason. They don't want to, I guess they're afraid to rock the boat with, their, with the parents. But you know what? I think they better rock the boat because I'd rather have a kid found out that he's got dyslexia when he's in second grade than let it go through third grade and fourth grade and fifth grade. And now Johnny's having, in sixth grade, now you have to read big textbooks and you can't do it. Yeah. They are starting to get more training in bigger cities and more well-funded areas in private schools. Yeah, in in place South Florida, so Miami, Fort Lauderdale, all this kind of things. A lot more money, right? A lot more training. You go into the middle of Nowheresville somewhere, a lot less money, a lot less training, and unfortunately, they are not as aware of this. You know, but and I think that's really a shame that I don't know if there's an American Teachers Association, but that should be priority number one. Make sure teachers are aware that, number one, there's no place for drugs as a first resort. And number two, that if there's a problem, let's recognize the problem and nip it in the bud early than to wait until the problem turns into this big, huge, gaping hole. So good point. Very good point. And my wife wanted me to end with this particular thing. Those and those who were seen dancing were thought to be insane by those who could not hear the music. Right? So imagine, you know, I'm sitting here going like this, and you're saying, what the hell? Why is he just dancing? Because I got headphones on. You didn't realize I had headphones on. And I'm sitting there dancing away, and you don't realize that I'm listening to some really great music, and I'm just, you know, really dancing to it. Right? So overall, what I want to bring out to you in this brief time that we had is I want you to understand the importance of these developmental milestones, that my wife taught you about some stuff a few weeks ago. You did some research on this maybe last week when, during the assignment that I know that uh, you guys uh, had to do. But what I want you to realize is how vital these things are. And not just for the kids in your practice, but even your own kids. Right? Even your own kids. Even your nephews and nieces and stuff. This is vital for the kids. Developmental milestones are critical. Right? It's just like turning on that computer, like I said in the very beginning. Just like turning on the computer. If the computer does not turn on the right way, you're running off to Apple Care, you're calling up you know, Windows or Microsoft or something, you're trying to, you're going to Best Buy to say, what's wrong with my computer, right? Well, we have to think the same way for our kids. We have to think the same way for our kids. If they're stumbling on milestones, if they're not learning things on the targeted 
time that there sh they should be. And there was not something like prematurity or twins or whatever that was going on. There's something that needs to be investigated. And to me, to me, the best person to investigate that is a pediatric chiropractor. So <clears throat> what I want you guys to do now, 